Bills Mafia, what is going on? It is your host, AJ Sabalski, with another edition of AJ's Analysis. Man, do we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, I think we've now hit a point here with this Bills regime where, you know, you, you the Bills fans kind of got over that. Oh, my God, Sean McDermott led this team to the playoffs and got them out of a drought and led them to the AFC Championship and is getting them division victories. Um, now it's getting to the point where, you know, not this this – uh, episode is titled "Has McDermott McPeaked?" Um, I am joined by Matt Beauvais from WKBW. Greatly appreciate you coming on. Uh, follow him on over on X at Matt underscore Beauvais. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So I want to get right into this kind of discussion surrounding Sean McDermott, um, the head coach, taking a lot of criticism for the game on Sunday. Uh, Bills Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles pulling. One out in historic fashion, the Bills on the losing end of what could be the game of the year, some would say, uh, yet again. McDermott decides to ice the kicker with about 20, 25 seconds left. I don't know in today's NFL if that really matters, a 59-yard field goal in the rain in those conditions. If a timeout matters, I know that's a, a strategy that some coaches do use still. Um, but again, when you have Josh Allen and the way he's been playing, it kind of crept into my mind like, hey, maybe they can keep these timeouts and use that on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and then obviously, you know, the, the 12 men on the field against Denver and then Mac Jones scoring um, with two minutes left. There's there's a few games here where you know, there's been some questionable decision making down the stretch. Matt, what do you make of all this and uh, where are you at with Sean McDermott? I think right now they have to figure out kind of what they are and they have five weeks to do that. If they go on a run and get into the playoffs, then I think obviously Sean McDermott is safe. If they go on a little bit of a run and come up just short of making the playoffs, I still think Sean McDermott is safe, regardless of if they finish nine and eight or whatever it happens to be. If they finish with a losing record, I think it's a very legitimate conversation to have of if you have reached your peak with Sean McDermott. I think McDermott has proven that he is a guy who can take an okay roster and get the most out of them. But I don't know if he has ever proven that he can take a really good roster with an elite quarterback and ultimately get over the hump. It feels like time and time again, they get to the big game in the big moment and something goes wrong and they come up short. And that is not all to blame on him. Sean McDermott is not the reason why on an option route, Josh thinks one thing's going to happen and Gabe Davis thinks another thing's going to happen. He's not the reason why that Jake Elliott makes a 59-yard kick in the rain on a just mud pit. But he is the reason why those timeouts were called and they could have used them or that they kneeled the ball at the end of the half or that they didn't go for it on fourth and seven in overtime and try and not let the Eagles touch the ball again. So it's just like questionable decision, an unfortunate event, just stacking on top of each other. And it feels like this is a trend. So it's not on one particular person, but if somebody's going to take the heat of this, it should be him. Yeah, and it's funny, Matt, because I look at it in a way like I, I agree that with everybody on this that with Josh and Gabe not being on the same page, that's not Sean McDermott's fault. But if you look at like historically, like there's been a lot of players that have gone through. Obviously, the core has remained pretty similar, but there's been a lot of different, you know, signings, draft picks throughout the last few years. And with that, the one thing that, that has remained the same is Sean McDermott. Um, and with that, there has been multiple, multiple times in key spots, like situational football. Mm -hmm. where I know you're in the media room all the time and they talk a lot about like communication 
and communicating. And they're one of those organizations that really are good at communicating. And that's good. Like when you're, when you're able to beat teams and the way they do, and you, you know, they're a very detail oriented organization, very well ran, very, you know, very good culture, all that stuff. But in key moments, I don't know if you can get a, like a feel for this, but the, it feels like their communication in the biggest, in the biggest moments, time and time again, falls short. Yeah. Is there any, can you like add to that at all? I feel that I think that's right. I don't know if there's a reason for it. I don't know if that's because Sean is now calling the defensive plays and he can't focus on strictly the head coaching responsibilities, but this happened before this season. I mean, 13 seconds is the greatest example of that. And it feels like it has just been continued to be a trend. And that comes back to the conversation of Sean of like, is he the guy who can handle all of these big time decisions when you have, 20 seconds to make one and you have a game on the line and you have all of the pressure there. I think from a communication standpoint, I think part of Sean's thing, I think part of the problem is he trusts his guys so much defensively, especially that it it almost hurts them. I mean, like maybe he doesn't think he needs to say something to them because he trusts them so much because they have been together for the majority of the entire time he's been there. Like, I don't think he's communicating things to, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde to the level he is that he's communicating them with offensive players. I don't know if that's ultimately the case. That could be completely wrong. I just think that the communication has been a problem. And if it wasn't a problem, then we're probably having a different conversation on this podcast. Yeah, it's funny because it's crazy to me that, like, again, going back to, like, Allen and Gabe Davis miscommunicating, there was the instance with the Vikings last year where Allen in the key situation, again, like the defense knew it was coming. Again, I think that's more of like a Ken Dorsey issue. But when you look at like all of these things adding together, like special teams, every phase of their every phase of their team, they had the punt return in week one against the Jets that allowed them to, for the Jets to score that touchdown. Uh, they had obviously the 13 seconds where Tyler Bass wasn't given the correct knowledge or whatever the, whatever happened there. I don't know exactly what happened there, but something was something wasn't right. I mean, you, you know, you look at the Troutman on the field to on the field goal. Like, th- there's multiple like occasions with this team on every phase of, the, of their team where there's miscommunic- miscommunication in key moments. So it's frustrating. But I think, again, like you said earlier, I don't think that he's going to get fired regardless of what happened. I think they could go six and 11, honest to God. And again, I think he does get another chance. Should his seat be warm going into next year? Probably because that's. Okay, you missed one year with Josh Allen in his prime. Like, if you do, if you're trending that way again, like, you're probably not going to be a head coach for much longer. But again, I'm at the point where, hey, yes, this is a trend; it's happening. But again, I'm I'm still not like fire him, fire him. I'm, I'm kind of like whatever. We'll take it as take it as time goes. See how the season ends and let him get another shot next year. You're, yeah, but you're playing with fire a little bit, and I agree with everything that you said, but it's like you waste one year of Josh Allen in his prime, but it's one year of Josh Allen healthy in his prime up to this point for the most part. It's like who's to say that there's not some sort – I mean, look around the league. You've got Joe Burrow who misses the entire se- – or half of the season. You have Deshaun Watson who's going to miss the rest of the season. Like you have these quarterbacks who have these injuries, Kirk Cousins, and they miss an entire season. And obviously nobody wants to see that happen to Josh Allen but what if it does like what if there's an injury to him and then it's okay now two seasons of his career are wasted and another year of having Stefan Diggs as you know a prime elite wide receiver in the NFL wasted so it's a really difficult conversation I do not think anything is going to happen I think they could lose every game the rest of the year like you said and <laughs> Sean McDermott is going to be the head coach next season 
but I don't necessarily know if that should be the case. What I think is going to happen is a little bit different than I think what should happen. But I also say that knowing there are five more games left to be played and this team is weird and they could go win all five games. They can lose all five. Where I'm at right now with the Bills, they can beat any team in the league. They can also lose to any team in the league. So that's why I don't know what's going to happen because I don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I mean, the, the the record speaks for itself, Matt. Six and six, they've lost to the Patriots, almost beat the Eagles and beat the Dolphins. So it's really any given game for them, they can really do some things. But I want to shift the conversation to Josh Allen. There's a lot of also banter going on about him, like he's not great enough, he doesn't get it done in the moment. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, I just saw your tweet for, oh. for the show. Oh. So, uh, oh we can God. get into it, but I, Josh Allen, again, like in losses this year, he has a one-to-one touchdown interception ratio. He's definitely to blame for some of the stuff that's going on. Again, the Eagles game, not not any blame at all. That was not Josh Allen. But you look at the Jets game. You look at the, the slow start against the Patriots. There were moments throughout this year where Josh did not play that sure. great of football. Um, and then, of, of course, Darcy is let go, which, again, I was still, like, up in the air. I was I was a Dorsey defender. I don't know if you know this, but like I was kind of a Dorsey defender because of the fact that this offense was still putting up good numbers and yardage. They just weren't executing. It felt like that. But not when they got to the point where they just couldn't execute over and over again. Then I was like, all right, Dorsey, mm-hmm. you know, you need to go. But just talk about Josh Allen's performance against the Eagles. What you thought of it? Obviously, his best performance of the season. And uh, just your your thoughts on what's going on right now in the national media and the narratives around. It. I think it's ridiculous. I think that it's such low-hanging fruit to say he leads the league in interceptions, and that is a problem. It is so mind-bogglingly stupid. It doesn't make any sense. If you watched the game against the Eagles, he was the best player on the field. He was probably the best player in the entire league this weekend, and he leads the league in touchdowns, and yet he's the reason why they can't ultimately get over the hump. That just doesn't make any sense. He has three more interceptions than the guys who are the favorites to win the MVP. Three over a course of 12 games. And in the first game of the season, he had three. He had an interception also on a Hail Mary attempt at the end of a half. He had one that went directly off of Gabe Davis's hands into another defender. So are people saying this if he has 11 interceptions instead of 13 interceptions? I can You can hear my daughter in the background. She's like, no, nobody's saying this. They're stupid. 
It doesn't make any sense. Josh Allen is an elite quarterback in the NFL. He proved on Sunday that he can be at his best, the best quarterback in the NFL. People just need something to talk about, and it's low-hanging fruit, and it's stupid. Josh Allen is everything this team has needed him to be. If you want to point to the Jets game and say they lost that game because of him, totally fair, because they did. They lost the Jets game because of Josh Allen. After that, if you want to say the Patriots game, sure, but at the same time, you let Mac Jones go 75 yards down the field and score a touchdown, and a field goal would have even just sent it to overtime. Three different occasions this year, the Bills have had a lead with less than two minutes left because Josh Allen has given them the lead in the fourth quarter. That is the Patriots game, that's the Broncos game, and that is the Eagles game. And they have lost every single one of those. That is not a Josh Allen problem. That is a problem with the coach in the defense. Yeah, and it's it is tough because you look like <laughs> once the once the you know the Eagles came out in the second half and saw that DeAndre Swift and this offensive line can get to the outside and attack Terrell Dodson, that's kind of where they just found their success. It was a lot of just you know outside run concepts to, with DeAndre Swift, and that's kind of where they took over that game. So again, you just see every week like the the, the loss of Matt Milano and how valuable valuable he was to this defense. It does stink, but again, I think T Dodd actually hasn't played as bad as what like in training camp when I went oh, for a week yeah. like he was actually filling run gaps and stuff so yeah I'm I'm with you it, it is you know Josh is a um top two quarterback in this league he does it year in year out mm-hmm. very talented can you now I'm not like totally against like questioning can he get it done in the big moments I'm not saying he can't but like he has put up 10 points in the, in the playoffs against the Bengals he has had his you know he has had his moments so I'm not saying the guy's perfect he has definitely some blame on him but again yeah. you know he's he's top two and he's the most athletically gifted quarterback in the league yeah I think it's the overtime thing annoys me because I think that there are so many different circumstances of like always oh, 0-6 and in and overtime. Well, okay. And one of them, he didn't touch the ball. And one of them, there was a drop that would have extended a drive. And like one of them, you know, he throws a bad interception against the Vikings. Like that one's on him. Totally understand that. But I don't really think, I guess it depends at who's at fault with him and Gabe Davis in this game. Did he throw the wrong pass? Did Gabe run the wrong, wrong route? Was it a combination of some sort of both of them making a mistake. Like, I don't know if Gabe Davis cuts to the right instead of the left, they win the game. And then nobody's having this conversation. So I think there are just too many factors that I do not know the answers to, to say like, Oh, he does not have the clutch gene. But then I look at what he does late in games to give him his, his team lead. And he shows that he can. So to me, like that is the clutch gene. Eventually somebody else has to make a play. If the bills defense stops the Eagles in this game, First off, obviously, we're not having conversations about Sean McDermott. We're also yeah. not having conversations about Sean, uh, Josh Allen not being clutch. You know what I mean? Like, if the let's say A.J. Brown actually catches that ball and then it's a fumble, nobody is saying, well, Josh Allen didn't score a touchdown at the end. He doesn't have a clutch gene. It's, holy crap, Josh Allen just played one of the best games of the entire season, and the Bills defense finally stepped up in a big moment and made the play. So I don't think it all falls on him. I think that's just easy to say, and it's easy to post, and it's easy to make a graphic that says 0-5 or 0-6, and, and it's not like, oh, but the defense doesn't stop anybody at the end of the game. That's that's a little bit more complicated, and that's a little bit less low-hanging. Yeah, that's the thing with, like, and I look around the league, Matt, like, and I say it all the time. 
you put the Chiefs in that situation. Like, I'm sorry, but they're gonna get the stop on defense. I'm not saying I'm not guaranteeing it, but I've watched enough Bengals games and Chiefs games over the last few years where even if they are off to a terrible game, they don't get like like the Patriots game for the Bills. You know, mm-hmm. Patriots Bills this year, for example. If the Chiefs were in that situation, Mahomes got the lead with a little bit of time left, and the Chiefs defense went out there. I would be, you know, I feel like they would get the stop. Now, obviously, I think the Bills would have with a healthy team, but that's not an excuse. Mac Jones is absolutely terrible, and the Patriots' offense is lost. So, again, like, uh-huh. I feel like you still have to get the stop regardless of who's out there. Um, let's talk about these secondary weapon, or secondary weapons real quick for the Bills in this one. Mm-hmm. James Cook, 16 carries, 43 yards, 2.7 yards a carry. Gabe Davis, big Gabe Davis game after not getting targeted the last couple of weeks. Six catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, six catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. And then, you know, Clear Shakir, three for 47. Dalton Kincaid, five for 38. James Cook, again, Joe Brady, loves his running back usage. It's popped up again. James Cook, six for 57 in the air, so another solid game. Obviously a bad drop by James Cook to start yeah. that game. But, again, what weather, ball doesn't go your way, um, it happens, I guess. So just talk about these secondary weapons, other than Stephon Diggs. Obviously, Diggs held in that ball in between, like, three defenders. I When I was watching it live, I didn't even realize that that ball was able yeah. to there but uh give me your thoughts on Kincaid Shakir and Gabe Davis so Kincaid really like him has been I don't want to say a pleasant surprise because he was a first round pick but he has exceeded my expectations I don't know why they go away from him in second halves of games it feels like in the first half he makes an impact and then in the second half they start to look elsewhere but I like him I think he's trending in the right direction and statistically he's going to have the best season of any Bills rookie tight end ever so it's hard to really knock him Shakir, I like, but I think that there's a reason why he does not get as much play as maybe some people think. I don't exactly know what that is. I don't know if they want him to be more of a slot guy, but he doesn't necessarily have the perfect skill set for that. So then they use him as basically like their third wide receiver, even though even as their third wide receiver, he's like their fourth or fifth option because they're going to go to Diggs, they'll go to Davis, they'll go to Kincaid, and they'll go to Cook before they ultimately look to him. He had the really nice catch on the pass that, I mean, Allen stared him down the entire way, but it was a rope down the side for a huge gain on that third play. Like, that's one of those ones where Josh gets away with how strong his arm is because, you know, if he doesn't have that strong of an arm, it's probably an interception, but he does. So that's when you kind of have to live with the good and bad of Josh Allen. Once again, I apologize for Ellie yelling in the background. And then for Gabe Davis, huge Gabe Davis game. I feel like I have always been a Gabe Davis guy. I like his skill set. I like him as a player. He is better when Josh is moving and running and scrambling because he reacts so well off of Josh and that's when they have their greatest chemistry. So we saw it on the third down completion that they had in the first half where Allen is rolling to his right and Davis is able to kind of break off the defender slide, make the catch. And then Allen runs for a touchdown on the next play. We saw it in overtime where he was able to find space. Allen rolls out, hits him over the middle for a huge gain that's when Gabe Davis is at his best because he does not get separation to the level that elite wide receivers do, but he's able to read off of Allen, which is counterintuitive to what we're talking about in overtime, how they couldn't read it, read off of each other. But I think that's when Gabe Davis is at his best. They're going to have to make a decision to give Gabe Davis wide receiver two money. I don't think at this point they would, but I think if Gabe Davis is your three, he's a really really good option for you. I think he's got like the potential to be a two, 
but isn't quite there yet. And that's when he's had his most success, when there's another guy, when there's a John Brown and a Cole Beasley and an Emmanuel Sanders. That's when Gabe Davis eats. So they're going to have to figure out what is Gabe Davis looking for long-term and what are the Bills looking for? Because if Gabe Davis is not going to be the guy that gets $12, $15 million a year, then you got a first-round pick and a loaded wide receiver class, and that's what you should be doing. Yeah, Gabe, uh, he's another one that, like, I I like Gabe again, and he has his moments. I, I kind of settled on, like, settled on this with him. He's a fourth-round pick. Uh, you're, you're not supposed to get this good of production out of fourth-round picks that the Bills have had. He's, he's a key staple in their offense, captain, mm-hmm. uh, all that all that sort of stuff. For me, he's a guy that's very important in the run blocking and what they do with that. He's a, a guy that can make big plays in big moments. He's shown that throughout his career. He showed it against Philadelphia. And he also showed me that he could be disappear for two, three games. This is who he is. He could disappear for two, three games and then go off for, you know, a six, six catch, 100-yard performance and a touchdown mm-hmm. in a big game. So, like, yeah, he's not the wide receiver, too, that we all expected. A high-end, upper echelon guy that I was saying at the beginning of the year. I thought he was going to have a top 10 year his statistically he probably still might because of when he does go off he goes off and his stats kind of inflate but uh for me Gabe is just he's not he's probably not going to get resigned at this point I was kind of the, of the belief that if Brandon Bean was going to do something it would be in the summer before the season started so mm-hmm. Gabe wherever he ends up I think he's going to get good money elsewhere probably upwards of 12 to 14 million because Alan Lazard got 11 million last year <laughs> yeah so that's kind of like where I look at but what you know? What are your thoughts on this running back room? Obviously, Joe Brady utilizing them, all three of them. I, I think Ty Johnson brings some juice. Um, yeah, that Latavius Murray doesn't really bring. Although Latavius Murray again has done it longer and is more consistent. Just your thoughts on this kind of running back, you know, trio now that's kind of emerged here down the stretch. It's fine. Could be better. Could be worse. Like James Cook as a pass catcher, like him as a playmaker. I know he's got a really impressive just like stat line if you look at him, but I still feel like he could do a little bit more in the run game. I mean, the Eagles are a tough one to base it off of because they have such an elite run defense. I agree with you. I like Ty Johnson a lot. Latavius Murray has actually been involved more than I thought he was going to. I almost feel like I don't know what the plan was supposed to be because once Damian Harris got hurt, then I think we were kind of like they had to figure something out on the fly. And that's why they signed Leonard Fournette to the practice squad. And that's why Ty Johnson is all of a sudden now playing games and actually getting snaps in these meaningful moments. So I I think it's fine. I like James Cook. I don't think they need to address running back long-term. I think he is going to be their guy long-term, but at the same time, I think like everything offensively, they could get more, just a little bit more, and I think that would be fair. It feels like they're so close to finding, and they've been trying to find that. And so they try with Zach Moss, and they, you know, they're trying. Mm-hmm. With, they want that bruiser, man. Like they want that guy that can get mm-hmm. Leonard for not like that that signing. Like that that's what they want. Like a Jamal Williams esque season from a guy where you can say, hey, like when he was at the Saints, where you can say, hey, uh-huh. we're inside the ten yard line, you're going to get the touchdown. We don't need to rely on Josh Allen every single time. Um, and it and felt like they were going to – it sounded like they were in on Jamal Williams in the offseason. There were reports that they were one of the teams that were interested in that. And you think back to this game, the first offensive drive of the game, they get a third and two, the weather's bad. You don't know if this is going to be a game where they are able to pass it all over the place, and they hand it to Latavius Murray, and he stopped. Like, that's what you need. That's when you needed Damian Harris. That's when you would have loved to have a guy like Jamal Williams. 
And right now they don't have that. You know what I mean? Like if, unless it's fourth and one third one and you can get away with a QB sneak, like it doesn't feel like they've got the guy who they know can get you two yards. feels like they've got a couple guys who you think can get them one, but never the guy who can get you two or even three on a play when a defense knows you're still going to run it. And it was funny, Matt, because the first two third downs, the bills with Joe Brady is OC something that, you know, the, the Ken Dorsey, no matter what they Whatever, really, whatever the Bills did on offense, but people that didn't like Dorsey, no matter what, it was bad. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the Bills went shotgun on third down twice to start that game, handed it off, did not get it. First time they go under center and run the ball, they pick up a fourth down. So, like, it was just funny to me that, like, yeah, Joe Brady's still going to do, like, every team in the NFL, if you watch, they do shotgun. They line up in shotgun on third and short, fourth and short. To, mm-hmm. to move the sticks. It's not just the Bills. And, uh, again, it didn't work, which made it even funnier because they went 0 for 2, and then right when they went under center, it worked. But just something to just something to put out there. For sure, yeah. I just think that if you had – that's why I don't know what's going to happen with Leonard Fournette. I thought we would have seen Leonard Fournette in this lineup by now, and we haven't. But I also don't know if you're going to take Ty Johnson out of it. I don't, I mean, if you have four running backs active, you could, they could get creative and do that. But then I don't think you let any guy really get into a rhythm because they're only going to get so many touches. They're only going to get so many carries. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if Latavius Murray has done enough to say like, okay, this guy's going to play. Like there's not a chance that he doesn't play, but I, I like, like you said, I like the word you use juice. It feels like Ty Johnson has shown some juice. And then obviously James Cook is their top guy. So he's not going anywhere. So I, I think the running back room is fine room for improvement, but also could be a lot worse. And I want to surprise you here since you got a, only a few more minutes left. I am okay. going, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit some Sabres talk real quick because I, oh, I've never, yeah. never done hell it, but yeah. I got a big win for them last night. So I'm like, you know, I know you, you're, Heck you're yeah. very active with you, you. You're very good at, I'll say this. You're very good at like in, in the middle of the game, I go on Twitter and you, mm-hmm. I see your tweet pop up and I'm like, I was thinking the same or like something, something along the lines of like, yeah, that's exactly what was going through my mind. Like you're, you're just very good at that. So I want to touch on it real quick. Thank you. Just your thoughts on UPL and like this emergence of like, it's funny. Cause like Sabres fans the other mm-hmm. day, bring up Kulik, bring up uh, what's the other guy. The other Isaac Rosen, yeah. Isaac Rosen, yeah. and Rosen, and we're not going to don't dress seven, don't dress seven. They, they're they mm-hmm. down four nothing in the first period. Next yeah. game, they go back to the formula with seven, mm-hmm. um, and they they beat the Rangers five to one. And UPL plays astounding. Do, mm-hmm. Are you at the point now where like let's stick with UPL, let's make him the number one goalie? And do you like the seven defenseman? Are you still want like are you still on the fence with that? No, I think to your point about UPL, I was totally wrong. Everybody was totally wrong. I have said I didn't think UPL was good since he really came from Sudbury. He had a good month last season, but even then his team was outscoring the mistakes that they made in that. So I feel like that inflated his win-loss record and the goals against average and the save percentage still kind of told a different story. But, I mean, he has very clearly proven this year that he is their most stable and most consistent goalie. But once again, goalies are weird. He could do this for a month and that could change, or he could do this for the rest of the season. And then all of a sudden he looks like the guy who you thought he was going to be four or five years ago when he was such a highly touted prospect. So for the foreseeable future, like UPL should be getting 65, 70% of the starts from here on out until he proves that he can't handle that workload. 
As for like the forward defenseman combinations, they they got to figure out some sort of solution where they can actually roll four lines and just keep six defensemen. Because honestly, what they're trying to navigate is they don't want to scratch Eric Johnson because he's a veteran and he signed here and the penalty kill is better, but they have better options. Like Ryan Johnson would be better in that role just in general. So if you're six and Yoki Haru would be as well. And they're a team that has struggled to score goals this year. The biggest reason the Sabres have struggled this year is because they are not scoring even close to the rate that they scored last year. And having another guy would help that. Having a healthy roster would help that as well without obviously Tage Thompson and Jack Quick. But having another guy would help that. So I think they've got to figure something out and they're going to have their hand forced to figure something out whenever it's time for Quinn to come back and Thompson to come back. Yeah, and then real quick, Devin Levi, are you? Yeah. Do you want him to stay? Is it like a backup, or do you want them to send him down and go back to Rochester? Yeah, I think he's got to play. I think he's got to play. But at the same time, I don't know if the sample size is large enough yet to say he can't be the backup or the number two, or he needs to. Like if they're going to keep Eric Comrie, if Eric Comrie proves in the next month while they still have this roster flexibility because of the injuries to Quinn and Thompson, that he is the legit backup then you have to send Levi down because he needs to be playing games and you also need to make room for somebody else. But if Comrie doesn't prove that, I do not think Eric Comrie is like such an important piece that he's not absolutely not an option to be waived. So if that's the case, then I think you make Levi the backup. And then if something goes wrong with Levi, then you figure something out for a backup goalie situation. It's tricky, but Levi needs to be playing. That's how he needs to develop. He can't be developed by playing once every week and a half. That's just not good enough. And who's your biggest surprise this year for the Sabres? It's, mine's JJ, JJ Paterka. Yeah, that's a good years. one. That's <laughs> a good one. Uh, JJ Paterka, I've really liked Jordan Greenway's game, even though it's not obviously as flashy or as offensively driven as JJ Paterka. He has been a pleasant surprise. Middle stat has continued to trend in the direction that he was at at the end of last season. It feels like middle stats now going to have a long-term contract. And a couple of years ago, I didn't know if he was going to be on the team. So I've been impressed with middle stat. Oh, and Zach Benson, Zach Benson is, you know, the fact that he even latched on, didn't think that was going to happen. I thought Zach Benson was going to get his nine games and then he was going to go to junior and then he forced their hand because he was so good. Yes, you are right. Matt Beauvais here with me, uh, Buffalo Rumblings listeners. I am really grateful for all the audio listens. He's got to get out of here. But, Matt, before you go, just yep. plug what you do, um, if pe- where, where people can find you and all that fun stuff. Thank you once for, for first and foremost for having me. You can find me at WKBW Channel 7 if you live in Buffalo on social media, Matt underscore Beauvais. And I've got a podcast with Sal Capaccio from WGR. It's always game day in Buffalo. So those are probably the easiest ways to find me. And, uh, yeah. I just uh, it's a busy time of year. Hopefully the Sabres can kind of string together some relevance and maybe the Bills will figure things out and we'll see how this last month plays out. Yeah, the Bills are going to have to get Matt or hot Matt. That, that, that's the thing. If they make it, they're probably 11 and 6, 10 and 7. You probably beat uh-huh. some really good football teams in there and you're in, you're in a rhythm. So any, anything can happen if they get in the dance. The problem is for sure they have a 15 to 20 percent chance to do so. So, yeah, um, I'll let you go and uh, I'm going to continue guys here real shortly. That was Matt Beauvais. Let me just change my layout here real quick. That was Matt Beauvais from WKBW. Again, go follow him at Matt underscore Beauvais on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. 
he does a show. It's always game day in Buffalo with Sal Capaccio over at GR. Give that show a subscribe, a listen, a like, anything like that. I want to talk about a few more things here. First off, I just want to talk about the game of, of Joe Brady uh, in, in this one. I thought it was nothing short of not spectacular. I'm not going to go that far, but again, I think he's found something with this offense. The utilization of James Cook in the passing game, perfectly executed play. Player didn't execute it um, on that drop uh, on the boundary on that wheel route from James Cook. I really do like Joe Brady, and I'm not saying like I. I'm already sold on him being the offensive coordinator next year. I think they're obviously going to interview some people outside of Buffalo. But if he can finish this year strong, he's got a great Chiefs defense coming up out of the bye, a dominant Dallas Cowboys defense after that. Then, you know, you have the Chargers who are basically, I mean, Brandon Staley, I'm surprised he's still there. I thought he'd be gone by now. But again, they're just a team that's kind of Swimming in mud with a very talented roster and can't get over the hump. Um, and then the Patriots, 2-9, and nine, they're just imploding. They don't even know who their quarterback is each week. But Bill Belichick doesn't even name a starter going into it. They just kind of roll with the roll with whatever's going on. Uh, they just lost to Tommy DeVito and Brian Dable. And then you finish with the Dolphins. So here, here we're at. The Bills have a 15% chance to make the playoffs. Um, and Joe Brady is going to be a big part in that if they want to get to that point. Because look, this defense, again, they have a week to get, you know, they have a week to get healthy now with the bye week. So that's, that's a good thing. You have a week to rest, but the defense still has not proven this year. Like when they go up against these upper echelon teams, besides the the Dolphins, who, again, that was when they had these very important pieces like Trey White, Declan Jones, all these guys, Matt Milano. The defense has shown that they cannot really stop many teams. Yes, they they handle the Jets quite well. They're still only allowing about 18, probably maybe upwards of 19 points a game uh, now with this Eagles 37-point outing on them. But the, the defense has struggled this year, and I think down the stretch, this offense and Joe Brady have to play at an elite level. You have to at least put up you know 24 points a game if you want to win, which, again, that's, that's something that – you could t- say about any single team in the NFL, if you score 24, you you should have a good chance of winning because that's a good recipe. Scoring points is a good recipe. If you score in 24, 25 points a game, you're probably going to win more than you lose. But Joe Brady motioning to understand if it's man or zone. So what that does is this. He sends a guy, in, Josh Allen sends a guy in motion. Like I say, James Cook is, they're, they're, an empty, they're in an empty set. No running back in the backfield. Five, five wide, maybe it's three receivers, one tight end, one running back. That's their personnel. Josh Allen puts James Cook in motion. Now, if the defender reacts to that and follows James Cook, Josh Allen knows it's man. If the defender stays and James Cook is not shadowed when he's going across to the wherever he's going, that, that's how they know they're in zone. Ken Dorsey did motion a little bit, but it wasn't, I didn't feel like it wasn't for a purpose. With Joe Brady, I think he's doing things for a purpose. Um, the, the game winning touchdown driver, what would have been the game winning touchdown driver if the Bills defense could have gotten a stop at the end and in, in, in the end of regulation, was a perfectly designed and executed drive. You hand the ball off twice to James Cook to pick up two first downs right off the get. At this point, James Cook was having a terrible game running the ball. Um, he, he wasn't getting any yardage. He was getting stuffed at, you know, he was probably averaging one or two yards a carry at this point. And then in the fourth quarter, down four with Josh Allen, at quarterback, you go run, run, run. 
run. Two runs to James Cook, two runs to Latavius Murray. I was just really impressed with Joe Brady's commitment to the run game, and it eventually worked out. You were able to take time off the clock, get the clock under two minutes, and Josh Allen and Gabe Davis connect in the big moment again um, on an RPO for you know 31-28 win. So I really like what I saw from Joe Brady, under center stuff, a lot of RPO stuff, um, you know, under center play action, uh, good good route spacing, all that stuff that some said that he could do, he is doing. Um, 500 yards of total offense against any team in today's NFL is is a win, and you should win that game. Um, but again, it's it's tough. It's tough to win. The Bills find Bills ways to lose, and that's kind of what they do. So uh, defensively, uh, moving forward, I think you know Sean McDermott. They, I don't. All right, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna talk back. I'm gonna circle back with the Sean McDermott talk because that's the big talk right now, and just kind of my two cents into what what's going on here. So again, I think it's it's Sean McDermott a little bit. He's definitely a factor, maybe more than a little bit, probably 60 percent of the blame. Um, he's he's the head coach. They failed too many times in key situations. I I think he's working with a defense that's not obviously 100 percent healthy, and in a defense that's you know Von Miller real quick. Von Miller again. You swing big, but when you swing big, you can miss big. And I'm not saying that Von Miller is this wasted signing or he hasn't brought anything to this roster and it's an overpaid contract. It was a bad contract at the get-go. This is The Bills were coming off a 2021-2022 season where they lost in – sorry, the, the end of – it was a 2021 season – where they lost to the Chiefs 13 seconds, and it, every fan was preaching from the top of the from the top of the stairs. They need a guy that can get to Patrick Mahomes and close football games. Last year against the, or in 2021 against the Chiefs, it just felt as if they did not have that pass rusher to get there consistently and in the big moment over and over again. They just didn't have that. So you know what they do. They go out, swing big, and get Von Miller. Overpay, sure. But, again, he was coming off. He was also coming off a great end of his season with the Rams, won a Super Bowl, and still looked like he could have the juice. So what does he do when he gets here? First eight games. Sack, 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 sack galore. He's doing great. What does he do against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? Forces Mahomes out of the pocket. Mahomes has to rush. Throws it, Teron Johnson, reads the flat route, gets the interception, ball game. Bills win, beat the Chiefs. That right there is what you brought Von Miller to do, right? You brought him to close football games. That was Von Miller's job. And that was that's what he was doing. And then Lions tears his ACL. This year, fast forward, he's able to return. Um, he's able to come back from, from injury and play. I think his first game was the Giants game. From that Giants game until now, yeah, there's been a little bit of improvement. I've seen a little bit more juice. You know, he's been trying to mix up his rush techniques and all that stuff, the hand placement, um, trying to win with speed a lot, trying to use more speed to power. Um, he's he's a bendy guy. That's how he wins. He's he gets in a weird stance, a stance that not many defensive ends get into. I don't know the exact term for it, but it's like a standing, kind of like not a receiver stance, but it's it's a, it's something that a lot of defensive ends don't do. Um, and he he tries to use his speed to get around the edge, bend around the the, the tackle, 
and get out there untouched and go right at the quarterback. That's kind of his MO and his go-to move. He hasn't been able to do that uh, this year. And that's something that is concerning. Um, and again, like you can, you can say both, like both are true. You can say that the bills overpaid for a 30 mid 30 year old defensive end. And it's probably not going to work out. And it was probably a bad contract, but you can also say that the initial plan and what they wanted to do was working. And he was closing games against guys like Patrick Mahomes that won them a game and helped them win a game. Um, it, you, both are true. You can say both. So in reality, my conclusion on Von Miller before I get down uh, back to the Sean McDermott talk is this. He's not probably not going to be the guy that the Bills ever envision him being because of that ACL injury in his age. Um, so what you're going to have to do is get the most out of him in some way. I don't know if you, you got to get him, ten, you got to get him some snaps. I'm not saying all of them, but like, I would like to see AJ Vanessa out there more in key situations. I'm not, that's not like a really shot at Von Miller, but I think AJ Vanessa is coming into his own this year and playing really good football. So again, like I just, not that I want to see less of Von Miller, but if he can, if he continues not to be efficient, um, there's a video going around on Twitter right now about him on that stunt when he kind of ran into his own guy that actually is called the stunt. It's not like something that he did on purpose. It's something that you, you, you switch spots basically with another defensive lineman. You try and switch quick enough or get a pick quick enough where the offensive line can't communicate, can't switch. And it allows your defensive end that you switched with to get leverage and attack the quarterback. Uh, it didn't work out. And Oliver did get some pressure, but Jalen Hurts was still able to make the play. Um, and again, Von is was Von is now. I think he's a guy that's older in his career, coming off a severe ACL injury, and he's probably not going to be the guy that the Bills wanted him to be, and, and what fans wanted him to be. And uh, you know that that's fine. They swung big. It was worth the risk because that guy's special. Um, so yeah, back to this defense. I thought they, you know, taking the ball away in the first half, only allowing seven points. You, you're you saved, you know, your offense a few times in that half. I thought they did a really good job. Um, obviously. The, the refs in this game were just atrocious. I missed horse collar on Josh Allen. Um, I could go on and on. The Stephon Diggs hold where he kind of breaks free, but the Eagles player gets a full fist of his jersey. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievably, like, bad call how they did not call that. Then they, the the only call that won it for the Bills was that roughing the passer penalty um, where Josh kind of acted, which, again, I guess, you, you know, he's very good at that. He does that a lot. And they he, he they they threw the flag and again, I didn't agree with the call, but it it is what it is. I mean, it helped the Bills, so that that that's a good thing. But yeah, these refs, um, there were multiple times. Trent Sherfield was interfered with um, over the middle where Darius Slade got there way too early. No call. Um, so there was just and then some phantom holding calls on the Bills throughout the game. There was a missed block in the back on Saran Neal on a punt. There was a lot of moments in this game where you can, you know, you could blame the refs if you're that kind of person. I'm not that kind of person, but I just wanted to address it because the refs were bad. Like they were bad in this game. Um, they were, that was some of the worst officiating I've seen in a football game and one of the most one sided football games I've watched. That's not the reason the Bills lost, but it was bad. Um, so, yeah, the, the defense, again, seven points in the first half, 30 in the second half in overtime, could not get a stop. They just could not find any stops. Um, and again, third and 15, these situations with McDermott, Bill's Chat Podcast, shout out to them. They're over at Built in Buffalo, put out a great tweet with like visuals of Sean McDermott's defense in key situations, you know, over the last 
few years. And it's quite surprising. I'm going to pull it up real quick just so I can give you guys on audio examples of what I'm talking about. Again, this is Bill's Chat Pod on Twitter. Um, follow them at Bill's Chat Pod. They do great work over at Built in Buffalo. Let me see here. So here's some key moments and key situations that, you know, the Bills defense have had a history of in snatching, you know, and the other team ended up winning the game. First one, 2019 Texans. It's overtime, 1919. Right? 1919, overtime. Texans ball on their own 19-yard line, seven minutes left, third and 18. They pick it up. They eventually score on that drive. Third and 18. First and 10 for the Cardinals, 11 seconds left, third, up 30 to 26. Hail Murray, ball game. Fourth and 18 with two minutes remaining against the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Jefferson makes the catch of the year over Dane Jackson. They move the sticks, end up scoring, winning that game. Josh Allen chokes it away. I'll, I'll say that, chokes it away. Obviously, the 13-second game, that was, you know, 13 seconds on their own 25. You got to get the stop there. Um, Jets, I just talked – or not Jets, Eagles, I just talked about it. That third and 15, again, the Bills' defensive line didn't do what they were supposed to do, didn't play contained. Sean McDermott talked about it after the game. Jalen Hurts was able to get free from the pocket. Micah Hyde turned his head. Jalen Hurts noticed that, threw the ball to the back of the end zone. They score a touchdown on a third and 15 with 11 18 left in the fourth quarter. Up, down, up. The Bills were up three in that one. The Eagles take the lead to, you know, make it 28 24. Dolphins game 2022, where the Bills lost 21 19 in that heat game where Isaiah McKenzie couldn't get out of bounds late. The Dolphins game winning drive on that drive with 11 37 left in the fourth quarter. They had a third and 22, picked it up to move the chains. Obviously, Mac Jones, we talked about that earlier with Matt, 25-22, 158 left in the game, first and 10 for Mac Jones on his own 25-yard line. Only two timeouts remaining. They go down the field and score. And then one you probably won't really think about much, this is the Browns. forget exactly what year, but the Bills were up 16-12 to in this one. They were 6-2 and at this time, and it was a second and nine for the Browns. With 439 left, they ended up scoring on that drive. So you look around at what this defense has been. And they've definitely fallen short in multiple moments, multiple third and long situations. Um, that's something to take note of. Um, that's, and again, I keep going back to these injuries because they are important, but again, there, there's been too many times where this team with this head coach has fallen short in key moments. I mean, that's why, again, I'm, I'm okay. If the bills moved on from him, I don't think they do, but again, I'd be okay with it to see the change. Do I know an alternative? No, I, I know there have been names out there. Ben Johnson's an up-and-coming guy from the Lions who's very highly you know, regarded as a good offensive coach. Uh, you have Bruce Arians, who's available, a guy that has had success uh, if you want to retread and try and win with a guy that's already kind of done it. And then you got with Jim Harbaugh, who, again, uh, Michigan, maybe you can make the claim that he's a guy that the Bills go after. I want to end the show with this. And this is where I'm going to end it. Um, and then I'm going to just, again, say just my final thoughts on this Bills team. Six and six football team. A lot of injuries this year, a lot of miscues, a lot of beating themselves. Um, that's kind of been the thing for the Bills, this Bills team this year. They go into the bye at six and six. If you go 10 and seven the rest of the way, 
and you say you lose to if you lose to the only if you only lost to the Cowboys and you beat the Chiefs, Dolphins, and Chargers and Patriots, you're at an above 50% chance to make the playoffs. If you lose to the Chiefs and win and win out and beat the Dolphins, you have around a 50% chance to make the playoffs. If you lose to the Dolphins but win the rest, you're looking at like a 40%, less than 50% chance. And then if you win out, you're at a 98% chance you're, you're making the playoffs. So it comes down to this. The Bills are going to have to play their best football. Their backs are against the wall. Yet again, just like 2021, they weren't. They were behind the Patriots in the division. I think the, the, the Dolphins are a better team than that Patriots team was. I think that the Dolphins are winning this division. It's not – not likely the Bills, unless the Bills went out, they're not winning the division. And that's the Cowboys or the Dolphins are going to have to lose to the Ravens and Cowboys. They're, they're, the rest of their schedule is pretty easy. Um, so the Bills have their backs against the wall. They have Sean McDermott as the coach. He's taken the pressure at, for, at and the reins from this team. And I went into the season saying this, and it's still true to this day. I respect the heck out of Sean McDermott for saying, hey, look, I fired Leslie Frazier. Not fired, sorry. Leslie Frazier decided to move on. This is my defense now. I'm the head coach. I'm going to put all of the pressure and eggs in one basket. I'm going to put that on me. And I respect it because, again, if he's able to respond and figure it out, then you're looking at a coach that's very highly regarded as one of the best in the league and a coach that was able to, you know, do all these things that some coaches might not be able to do, but that's not the case right now. He's not doing that. Uh, They're 6-6. and A few games have been his fault directly with bad decision-making down the stretch. Um, kneeling the ball, I disagree with um, the fourth and seven in overtime. I don't know. I, I would probably say go for it there, but again, like that's hindsight because they obviously lost the game. If you don't, if you don't get it there, all they need is thirty yards and the game's over. So I understand the decision to kick the field goal there. But again, Sean McDermott um, put all the pressure on himself. They're a six and six team. And they got to do some special things down the stretch. Josh Allen has to continue to be special. They have to play perfect football, try to win the turnover margin. You 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 possess the ball for over 40 minutes against the Eagles. The Eagles were only able to possess the ball for 25, 26 minutes, and you lose that game. You outgain them in yards by over 100. So the Bills had every right to win that game. They didn't. They fell short. They choked again in the big moment with Sean McDermott as head coach. You're 6-6 six and six going into the bye, and – it's it's do or die um, with this team. It, it, it'd be crazy. They're the 10th best team in the AFC right now, per, according to the record. It would be wild to not see, I think, one of the still best teams in the league. I'm not saying one of the best, but they're they're still a very good football team. Um, not in the playoffs. It'd be crazy. And you got guys like Kenny Pickett, Gardner Minshew, um, possibly getting in, which, which would just be wild to me. But, again, thank you for joining me. On this edition of AJ's Analysis, has McDermott McPeaked with Matt Beauvais? Um, great discussion today. Talked a lot about the secondary weapons, what Joe Brady's been doing, uh, Sean McDermott and his tenure, Josh Allen and the, and the banter around him. Talked a little bit about the refs in this one. Absolutely atrocious uh, officiating game from this team. Uh, Von Miller, what to make of him and a lot, lot more. Um, to all of you that listen to the show weekly, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Continue listening. Um, I'm going to continue to push out some content here. Make sure to follow me on Twitter or X, sorry, at AJ Sabalski. I put all my thoughts, opinions, um, reporting, all that stuff kind of over there. Follow all the press conferences for you. Do a bunch of bunch of cool things to continue to be informative and inform you fans of what's going on. 
um, at One Bills Drive every week. So again, I appreciate all of the listens, all of the listeners. Please like, subscribe. This has been another episode of Ages Analysis with your host, Ages Sabalski, and I will see you next week. Enjoy the bye week, Bills Mafia.